Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where it is a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire. During the battle, rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star, an armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. Wow, I did not know how you would respond, and that was better than I could have hoped for. Today we are talking <laughs> about Rogue One, kind of. We haven't seen it yet. It's not out. We just nope. wanted to talk about it, because we love Star Wars, basically. Yes, and this was my wife's idea, too. I love that she came up, and we were talking about it, like, knowing that Void and I are such such wonderful Star Wars fans. You're like, how many Rogue One shows are you guys going to do? Are you talking about it beforehand and after? And it's like... No, but we so should. It's Star Wars. So you guys get as much Star Wars as we want. So yay! Yes, exactly. So it's not a spoiler episode. Um, We're releasing this. We'll probably release this a day early, so you have a little bit extra yep. time to listen to it. But we're only talking about things from the trailers and the teasers and uh, maybe a little bit from the prequel novel, because I've read it and I yeah. think you've read parts of it. I don't know if you finished it yet. I've read part yet. of it. I've gotten, I haven't been able to finish it yet, but I've gotten a few hours into the audiobook, and I actually really like it. So Okay, yeah. Yeah, and the pre- prequel novel doesn't give a whole lot away, so there's really there's no like spoilers here for the movie. We just wanted to talk about what we're excited about, and we also wanted to talk about kind of like our theories and put some guesses out there, so that next week when we come back and actually talk about the movie, we can be like, ah, I was right, I was wrong, that kind of thing. Um, just because it'll be fun, and we love Star Wars. So next week will be the full spoiler-filled review of the movie, because I think we're both seeing it opening night, right? Yep, I've got my 7 o'clock tickets on Thursday night, so I am ready to go. Yep, me too. So we'll be seeing it at exactly the same time. We can text right afterwards. Um, yeah, or prob- I would say during, but I don't think either of us are going to ruin that experience. I would not. No, my phone will be off or very silent. Yep. Whatever, do not disturb. So I, I just wanted to start with, before like theories and speculation, Like, do you have any worries or concerns about this? Because uh, like, I'm kind of worried that we already know the plot from the trailers yeah but i mean i guess we kind of know the plot from what i just read like i read the opening crawl if you guys don't know that's the opening crawl from episode four a new hope the very first star wars movie and that's basically the plot of this movie like we know that that's gonna happen yeah right yeah and that's that's something for me that has kind of put me off of this movie i am all in right now like let me go ahead and say that that my my journey to rogue one here has been up and down because this is the only star wars property that's come out that i could not get excited for that there was just nothing about this that i cared about for so long exactly because of what you said i felt like it was going to be a retread that it was going to just kind of feel like another like a me too star wars movie that led up to it and now from a lot of the teasers that i've seen from a lot of the stuff that i've read it feels like they're going to expand on a lot of other stuff as opposed to just the main plot like there it seems like this is going to be a lot of backstory explanation and a lot of character development yeah i think the characters are going to have to carry it like because we know that Leia gets the Death Star plans, right? They end up in R2-D2. Mm-hmm. Like, we know this from the very first movie that came out in 1977. But we don't know what led up to that. So, yeah. I mean, like, we know there's a battle and that they succeed and they get the Death Star plans. And there's one scene in A New Hope that I sent you this week. Yeah, you watched that, right? I did. And I'd read an article about it before that. Uh, I may have sent you about that where I didn't realize like you didn't about how much that that scene set up for Rogue One in terms of just what the story is going to be. Yeah, we'll link to it. But there's a scene where you've I mean, if you've seen Star Wars, you've seen it. Yeah. And if you've watched Star Wars a million times like us, you've seen it a million times. But you might not have like thought about it. Like I never really put adult thinking into it. I always just saw it as a kid, and it's just kind of like, here's a little bit of backstory, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the one where Vader talks about the power of the Force and chokes the guy for the first time, right? And that's kind of the takeaway that most people get from that scene. Um, If you go back and you listen to every other thing that, like, the Moffs and Generals and Admirals and stuff are saying to each other, there's so much information about the plot of Rogue One. It makes it sound like Darth Vader is responsible for not catching them. Yes. Like, he's chasing them, and it makes... and. They say that the data tapes were stolen, so we know that whatever format the data comes in, it's going to be some kind of data tapes that they're stealing, Um, stuff like that. But it's like this two-minute info dump 
that's all like backstory and world building that I never really appreciated until this week, which is crazy because it's been there since 1977. Yeah, you know? and it's it's odd to me that with that, it feels like it ties in so well with the way that movies are put together now in terms of a series where you have a two minute scene in a movie that establishes the world and what came in the episodes before it. Like if you watch Serenity, there is a about two minute tracking scene of Mal going through the Serenity entity that introduces all of the characters and establishes their relationships for people who haven't seen the TV show. And that's really what this scene is. And for those of you who are, who we didn't actually say it, this is the, I find your lack of faith disturbing scene where everything is being talked about. And that's what this does. This is the previously on Star Wars scene. And it's it's awesome for that. And I never listened to part of it, especially the thing about Vader. Like when you said that, that specifically stuck out to me because I never thought about Vader being the one that let them go. But that ties into the way that they're doing the comics now as well. That may have been where they really started uh, thinking about the characterization of the Emperor and Vader's relationship and fleshing it out from this scene that we may see the beginnings of in Rogue One. Yeah, because the comics, like, Vader is constantly being tested by the Empire, or by the Emperor, in a way that's not obvious from the movies, because he seems like he's just number two, he's obviously in charge, he's, like, the successor, he's the big bad. But if you read the comics, and if you kind of listen to this scene in a new context, um, you understand that Vader's constantly being tested by the Emperor, like he might not be able to keep his place in the hierarchy if he doesn't keep living up to the standards and keep passing these test after test after test. It's a very Sith master apprentice. There can only be two. If you're not good enough, I'm going to get rid of you type of mentality, yep. which makes sense. And they've really expanded on that in the comics. I'm not up to date on all the comics, but I did read the first like arc or two of Vader and it was really good. And it was all about that kind of stuff. And it was, it really was good. I think I read the first two as well. Whatever was on Marvel Unlimited the last time I had subscription and it surprised me that that was the direction they were taking but it was so compelling so i'm really looking forward to seeing even a little bit of that coming up in rogue one yes for sure um so other worries concerns for me uh and these aren't like huge but it's it's kind of in the back of my mind like things that i'm watching out for uh i'm a little worried that they might not be as good as the mainline star wars movies which would be a bad way to kick off these star wars stories which is what they're calling all the spinoffs because this movie like how well this movie does is going to determine how many of these get greenlit in the future and i want the star wars like universe to expand i don't want it to just get stuck on the mainline episodes which i love i love those movies but i want i want more you know and this one feels kind of safe because they're just kind of shoving it into the timeline of the movies and it directly ties into episode three and four it kind of bridges the gap yeah um but later movies don't have to you know they can be way before the series they can be way after well they probably won't do way after but they could be characters that we barely see it could be a total spinoff like i would love to see obi-wan in the time between episode three and four oh, like yeah. I, that's my favorite thought for a spinoff movie right now but yeah i just i hope that they kick it off solid because that will make more movies in the future that have the potential to be good. And I think that they're going to. For me, looking at this, that was part of the reason that I wasn't interested in it at first, is because it didn't feel different. That there was no Force Awakens was all new, something that was fantastic, and and I got to see this incredible new sequel, that, that things that I couldn't have seen before, and this one was just more of the same. But from the new trailers, that the gritty kind of action movie feel to it, they got the aesthetic of Star Wars. They have that feeling of the original trilogy that I'm not necessarily worried about like you are, but I'm more worried about it. How can I even put it? Um, I'm more worried about the way that they bridge it is that there are, to me, more interesting stories to have been told between episodes three and four. And like you said, they went the safe route with this one. And I would have yes, much this rather is the heard obvious one. Yeah, I would have much rather seen different stories about maybe some of the inquis- inquisitors, the Jedi purge, even you know, like you said, going back with Obi Wan. I would have loved to have seen pretty much anything, but something that we absolutely knew what happened. Yeah, and that's why I want this one to do really well. Yes, because I think if this does well, this is the safe choice. Then they are going to start greenlighting the ones that are less safe. And more interesting because of it. Not that this won't be good or this won't be interesting. It's just 
this is the obvious choice. This is the safe choice. We know this story kind of from the edges, from both sides of episode three and four. Um, so in general, you know what's going to happen, but we don't know the specifics. We don't know the characters. We don't know the character development. And we don't know like how it's going to go right. down, but we know high level that they're going to go, they're going to succeed because that's that's what happens. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, I just think it's interesting. And then one of the other thing that you mentioned that I told you ahead of time is that the style seems almost like a war movie. Yeah. And I, I hope that they make it fit Star Wars. Like, I think they can, but it could also go the side of too much Saving Private Ryan. Like, too war movie, not enough Star Wars. I hope it, it manages to balance the two. With it being where it is in the timeline, I think they're going to. Because this is a time where it is gritty and warlike. This is the the start. Not I don't. It's not the start of the rebellion. That's in Star Wars Rebels. But it's where it's really kicking off. This is where they're actually in the trenches, essentially. Where that's what it would feel like. This is the this is the gritty part of the war where they can't sit back and do a lot of star fighting. They have to send ground troops in to do this. So this is the point where everything really does hit. Where they hit the right moment of conflict to do it to have a war movie as opposed to a space opera. Okay, first of all, the rebellion starts in the Ahsoka book. It doesn't start in Star Wars Rebels which well, is why you need to read that book. Mr. It's, it's next on my list, actually, after I finish Catalyst. The Ahsoka book is basically the start of the rebellion. It's really good. It's it's totally worth reading for that. But what you said about it being like um, the, the war movie aspect, I think it'll be interesting to see all these things from a ground-level trooper. And I don't right. think these are ground-level troopers. No. I think these are kind of like the special force team for the rebels. Um, I don't think it's just like these are grunts, you know? They seem like special forces, but it'll still be a different view than if you were seeing it in the main movies as a Jedi, right? A Jedi can stand up to Darth Vader. Yes. Like, a ground troop cannot stand up to Darth Vader. Not directly, you know? Like, we've seen Luke single-handedly take out AT-ATs, you know? <laughs> and we know AT-ATs are going to be in this movie. Can you imagine, like, how terrifying those would be no, on the ground as just a trooper with a blaster? Like, we get to see that perspective, finally, because we're not seeing it from the point of view of a Jedi. That part is what actually sold me on this movie, when they released that first trailer and I saw the ground troops going on the beachhead fighting an AT-AT, it sold me on this movie because they were finally terrifying. That I saw for the very, very first time in my life why everyone, you know, lost their minds when they saw these walkers because it looked finally like something that posed a threat and you saw to whom it posed that threat and if they continue that same perspective and aesthetic i can't see how this movie's not going to be a wild success yeah yeah i really hope so do you have any other like concerns about it before we get into theories okay. speculation so i know that you and i both we've talked about this with rebels is that we like the jedi stuff we and i've always one of my favorite things about the old republic as an mmo is the extra storylines and things like that that deal with the jedi the sith inquisitors and all of this i'm worried that there's going to be this is the part of star wars that part of the universe that i don't care as much about is the troops is the military aspect of it so i'm hoping that the vader stuff pulls in a little bit more of the force where you're seeing at least part of the sith side of it or some part of the mythology even though that's not what they're going for this isn't one of the mainline skywalker movies i'm hoping we see some of that and see this is why i think it's one of the safe choices too because they're definitely going to pull in the force mm -hmm. whereas if they were trying to be a little bit more out there they would do a star wars movie without the force at all and this is not that because we know vader is in it yeah and that'll touch on it a little bit but also we know that there's one of the special forces troopers is that blind guy who uses the force to see he's not a jedi but he's in touch with the force and that's obvious from the trailers like he's a force sensitive yeah. in some way so that'll touch on the force and then also based on the book and based on the trailers of Jin like playing with the crystal yeah i think that kyber crystals are going to play a big part i hope because so oh kyber my gosh yeah, I mean, ky kyber crystals are directly tied to the Force. I'm pretty sure there's one that Jin has around her neck. I think that's what she plays with. Uh, and then I also think that's what powers the Death Star. Yes. I'm pretty sure that that's what Galen, who that's Jin's father. He's like the researcher who's really good with crystals and like energy generation. Played by um, Michael Madsen? No, not Michael Madsen. Uh, I don't remember. I'm really bad at actors' names yeah, and actresses. I can't remember. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, but he, Mads Mikkelsen. he is like That a, was it. Mads Mikkelsen. 
Okay, he's an energy researcher who specializes in crystals, basically. So I'm pretty sure that what we're going to see is, and I guess this is getting this is getting a little bit into speculation, but I think that like something with Jin's father and her, his kyber crystal research, and there's going to be a kyber crystal at the center of the Death Star that powers it. Yeah, and that would kind of tie in because it would be such a manipulation of kyber crystals from the way the Jedi use them to the way that the Sith are using them to just purely destroy instead of this like elegant weapon that's a lightsaber, you know, like flipping it. Yeah. And I remember that they were saying right after the force awakens came out that it was kyber crystals that powered like turbo lasers and things on star destroyers. So I understand that they could bring that in and do it with the death star. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What else? You okay. Got? So I really hate that it's not called star Wars rogue one that it's really killing me because I've talked with a few people about this and I'm so excited for the new Star Wars movie and they're like, oh, Rogue One, is that a Star Wars movie? Because a Star Wars story as a subtitle doesn't necessarily stand out. They just see Rogue One and if you're really not paying close attention, if you're not a full-on you know, Star Wars like Star Wars nerd like we are, you may not realize it. And I've seen people who I've talked to, they don't no, it's a Star Wars movie. And so by branding it this way, I mean, I'm really worried that it... And I'm not saying I'm worried that it's not going to do well. I'm worried that the general population may not realize that there's continuing Star Wars stuff and that, you know, the the go-and-see-movies fans are may, not, may miss it. Yeah, I'm not as worried about that. I think that's just the nature of it being the first spinoff ever because every other one has a very distinctive titling style, right. you know? Um, and this is the very first spinoff. So I think after this establishes that it's a name and then a Star Wars story, right. everything after this is going to be obvious to the general public. You know, that's one of the, like the hurdles they have to get over with this movie. But it's the Disney marketing engine. Yeah. Like, they'll be fine. They'll get the word out there. People are going to know. I think it'll be OK. And then I'm also worried because of the main criticism of The Force Awakens was that it was too similar to episode one or episode four, that it rehashed the same plot it did. It went through with the giant super weapon, blah, 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 blah. And this one being so close as of a prequel to the four to a new hope i'm really worried it's going to get that same kind of criticism that they're just telling the same stories over and over again until we get episode eight and they're actually doing something different with the series yeah i mean i think they're telling a story that we know but we don't really know it we know what i read at the beginning of the episode we know the broadest sense but we don't actually know this story yet and i don't think that it can possibly be a retelling of the same thing because it's different characters like we don't have a jedi to see it from you know that perspective yeah and then yeah i'm not really worried about it and then that scene that you sent me you know they're talking and i think it's Madi who who starts talking about the jedi and the force as though they're they're non-existent it's been 19 years since the jedi were basically controlling and protecting everybody i mean in 19 years you're not going to forget the police I mean, let's say that the National Guard gets disbanded and you, you know, you're not going to forget that they existed in in 19 years. And all of a sudden in episode four, I mean, yeah, I know that Darth Vader purged the Jedi and, you know, but people would still know the force. That's something that bugged me in The Force Awakens as well. In 35 years, I mean, they were talking about Luke Skywalker being a myth. And these are not far enough gone and far enough removed for people who are still alive to have witnessed things along those lines, especially in episode four. I at least get it in episode seven. But in episode four, I'm really wondering what kind of propaganda may have been put out that we'll see in it that basically says that the force is non-existent. Because to me, it feels like a disconnect within just that in under two decades, acting like the force isn't a thing. Uh, from the empire's higher ups especially with the emperor i mean goodness gracious yeah it that doesn't bug me at all because it's kind of part of the lore is that well okay there's two parts to this one is that the emperor goes on a campaign to destroy all information about the jedi and try to erase them from history as soon as he gets control so the entire time from episode three until episode four that's what's happening. And even after that, basically until the Empire is overthrown, um, the Emperor and Darth Vader are trying to destroy all information about the Jedi, or at least steal it and hide it away. 
So that's part of it. But the other part is that you said that you wouldn't forget the police, but you are looking at it as a, like a Star Wars fan where we almost always see the perspective of the Jedi. Right. And the that's what I'm is, thinking about that with many... Ray and Luke and things like that. Of course, everyone wouldn't know Luke was there. Well, the thing is, even starting, like even in the Republic era, people don't see the Jedi, right? They're like the most elite of the elite troop. Like they're almost a myth in the time that they exist across the whole galaxy, unless you have physically seen one, and we've seen them so many times because that's right. what the movies I... are about. But there's only like a few thousand, and it's a whole galaxy full of beings. Like, you aren't going to see a Jedi if you live in this galaxy. So even when they are in their like full power at the full height of the Jedi, we know about them because we watch the movies, but people in the general galaxy might not even think that they exist when they do exist. You have to keep that in mind. They're not the police. They're not even like the special forces. They're like the elite of the elite of the elite, but also kind of a crazy monastic religion that's uh, from the outside looks like a crazy spinoff thing. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. I haven't actually thought about it from the perspective of, you know, a farmer on Lothal, that kind of thing of, you know, not ever having seen anything like that. Yeah, or, you know, like a banker on Coruscant even. Like, you know, even just any regular person going about their daily life probably isn't going to act interact with a Jedi in the course of their whole life. And so as soon as you actually remove them, they kind of felt like a myth anyway. And now they go on this campaign to destroy all the information about them. Yeah, I can. I mean, I can buy it. I can okay see that. That was all of my main concerns about it, really, that because, you know, going up and down, back and forth in terms of being interested, being disinterested, like looking at it. I'm super interested now, so I, I don't want to nitpick it or anything. I just I want it to be so good, and I'm getting to, to the too, point yeah. where I'm excited for it, like I am The Force Awakens. Jennifer, I, Jennifer and I ended up rewatching The Force Awakens the other night, and we had I'd forgotten how good that movie was. That just how well put together that there's not really any true lulls in it. Even though I don't particularly like the freighter scene with Han and Chewie and the Rathars, it's there's not a lull. And I'm hoping that they can keep up that same quality with this one that I just want it to be so good. Me too. Okay, um, let's get into like theories and speculation because this is what I've been doing mm. since I saw the first mm. trailer. Um, so one of the things that I thought of like way at the beginning, and this is before I read the book, but the book reaffirmed it for me. I think that Jin's father, so this is Galen, this is the energy researcher guy. Um, I think that he puts that exhaust pork weakness into the Death Star on purpose. Like, yeah. it seems like in such a giant super weapon, you would find all of the things that would be a vulnerability and you would make it invincible. But he is a pacifist. He's someone who wants to generate energy, but he's not like about using it to destroy. He's about using it to help people. I think that if he is forced into doing the project, which it looks like he probably is, I don't know, this is speculating, but I'm taking what I know from the book and the trailers, I'm pretty sure that he's forced into helping on the Death Star when he doesn't want to. It seems like something that if you were against what you were working on, you would try to build in weaknesses and pass them off as if they have to be there as part of the design. And that's kind of my biggest theory out of all of them. And that's kind of how I feel even just getting into the very, not even the beginning, but the beginnings of Catalyst. I get that about Galen. I could totally see him doing that because of just how unbelievably intelligent they make him. That when you, when they're talking at the very beginning, the the chapter I'm on right now is basically talking about how his mother provided him enough of a an education that he was, you know, whisked off to the core to become this, you know, super energy researcher. And just knowing that, having that single chapter talk about just exactly how much of a prodigy he was, absolutely. He would see that there is an infinitesimally small chance of this exhaust port working uh, like he wanted it to, but that it's there for someone to exploit without the Empire being able to notice it. Yeah, I think that would be a cool like undercurrent to the storyline that he's forced to do it and then he just does it to protect his family. So in the end, he makes a weakness where there doesn't have to be one because we know that there's not the same weaknesses on the Death Star 2 when they go back and they redo it. So it makes me think that like, I mean, obviously that's a different situation, but they probably figured out a way to do it without that exhaust port. It seems like the exhaust port is not necessary, but he snuck it in there. So I hope that's part of it. Um, I also think that we're going to get some kind of like Ocean's Eleven style heist 
but it's all going to go wrong when they try to escape. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know if they're going to have a ton of trouble getting it. Probably. I mean, they'll probably put things in the way, but I think it's all going to fall apart when they try to get the plans out. And I bet that's where we're going to see a bunch of characters die. Like, this is one of the things, right? They're not attached to the main Star Wars series. So in the end, all of the characters could die. Like, they could do it. I don't think they're going to kill off everybody, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them kill people left and right once they get towards the, like, later end of the movie. I think it might be impactful and it might just work out. Yeah. Now, for those of you who don't want spoilers, I'm going to say one thing. The next, like, you'll just hit forward a time or two here and you'll be fine. But at one of the one of the uh, initial Rogue One panels, I can't remember which actor it was, but basically gave up that he dies. And I think it was the blind guy who does it, um, the Force-sensitive. I'm pretty sure that he dies based on them basically shutting him up and whisking him off the stage when he said a... a very passing remark about how he died or how that character yeah there there was um it's one of the other guys it's one of the guys who doesn't speak english as his first language Mm. and they asked him about something so he was trying to answer in english but he gave away too much by accident and you could see the look on everyone else's face like what are you doing and it was just it was crazy and you're right they shut him up and they moved on to another question but yeah i think i think they gave that one away but yeah. i'm guessing that more people i'm assuming just that i don't know we'll see and i'm i'm ex- i am expecting at least forrest whitaker's character to die saw guerrera because they have established him in other media already because he's in rebels that that he is an existing character i'm kind of expecting him to die as part of the hero's journey thing with jen so that just to keep up with the same thing you know uh luke dying qui-gon not luke dying uh obi-wan dying you know qui-gon dying all of this that han dying i'm really hoping that they kill him off just to keep up with the tradition you know you got to get the you got to do the cambellian thing like the mentor die the mentor yeah. die yeah, yeah i could totally see that cool and then i'm also curious to see how they use vader because uh, we kind of talked about this already but we've always seen him as jedi versus vader right it's always like luke versus vader um or well there's other contexts too you know like obi-wan versus i guess he's vader but he's not in the suit yet and it's always jedi versus sith but we've never seen sith versus ground troops and i'm very excited to see how they could actually make Vader terrifying oh, yeah. because he's he's never been to me even as a little kid watching Star Wars. I know some people thought like Vader was this huge villain and they were scared of him. He's not. I've never personally felt that. I always felt like yeah, but the hero just you know the hero wins against him. Yeah. It's no big deal. I think this is finally the perspective where we might see how scary it would be to go up against him as just a person. I think Vader is absolutely terrifying in Rebels. That I was the same way with you as a kid that I was like, yeah, here's Darth Vader. He's a thing. He's a dude. And, you know, he's the bad guy. I'm I'm scared of him because he's the bad guy. I like him. He's Luke's father. All this is going on. But he was never a threat, really, because of exactly like you said, Luke was fighting him. Luke took care of him. Everything's good. But when I see him in Rebels, I'm like, yeah, you got some power that I play the Force Unleashed when you're Vader at the very beginning on Kashyyyk. And you feel that power. And I'm really, really hoping that they make him just this intimidating, terrifying presence where he goes and wipes out a couple of platoons of ground troops, kind of like he did, kind of like Anakin did right after he became Darth Vader before he got the suit on uh, Coruscant with the Jedi Temple. I want to see that kind of just power from Vader, even if it's in one scene, just to establish that. Yeah, I think all they need is one scene to really show off his power, and it could definitely work. Besides that, I also there's that big explosion on a planet in the trailers. You know what I'm talking yes. about, right? Um, at first, I thought that that was like something kind of like <laughs> the Force Unleashed, where um, a Star Destroyer would fall into a planet uh-huh. and it would explode based on like the shape of the explosion. But now that there have been a couple more trailers, it looks like it's bigger than that. I'm wondering if that is a test firing of the Death Star, but it's not at full power yet. Could be. Because it's like a very, it's a huge explosion. And it could be big enough to destroy a planet, but it's not what we see in episode four when Alderaan is destroyed in an instant. It's like, compared to that, it's very, very slow. But it could also be a Death Star test firing. So that's kind of my guess, but I don't really know for that one. That would make sense. I mean, I haven't really thought about that, but it would make total sense that they would have to do testing beforehand, even though we know that Alderaan was the only planet that got destroyed 
at least that the galaxy knew it was was destroyed where you know if they destroyed an outer rim or wild space planet nobody knew about it yeah or even if they just like attacked it and it didn't actually destroy the planet yeah. maybe it just destroyed a giant chunk of it or something because you're right I, I wonder how that would fit into the lore you're it would have to be something like outer rim or like a hidden yeah yeah good point i didn't think about that yeah, because if they actually destroyed a full-on planet, people know about it. People knew about Alderaan after that because it was a major planet. But, I mean, and even something like Tatooine, there was enough of a smuggler's uh, and outlaw culture of going around it. It would have to be, you know, probably wild space to be able to completely do it. So I don't think they would have to be able to destroy it. But like you said, they might be able to hollow one out or destroy a good quarter of it where it's one of the kind of a... I can't remember what planet it is, but there's just like asteroids bouncing around where part of it is blown up. That kind of thing. I could totally see yeah. that happening. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what that explosion actually is, because that could be now that I'm thinking through some of the stuff you put up, it, it might be a bunch of different things. I'm interested to see how they approach that one. Um, yeah. What else do you have for like speculation stuff? Um, I'm, I'm so, and I know I've seen the ghost on there. People are talking about Rebels, and I'm super into Rebels, and I've always loved Rebels. And I think I like the show more than you do in terms of just all of it because I like more young adult and kiddie stuff, and it's definitely that. But I, so I'm super excited to have seen the ghost in the in the trailer that that people are speculating is the ghost. I would love nothing more than to just see one of the characters in the background, like. What I want to see most of all is just a live-action version of Sabine or of Hera running around on one of the planets doing something just in the background or at the base or something. I really, really want to see that. Or just Sabine's graffiti, something that shows that the Rebels are still out and doing their thing. Yeah, I would love to see a Rebels cameo or even if it's just like a background hint at it, uh -huh. like just seeing the ghost or seeing, like you said, graffiti. I would love that, too. I would I would geek out about that. I no would question. scream in I, the I, theater. I promise you that I would be the guy in the theater going, ah! Yeah, I wouldn't go to that extent, but I would still be very excited well, to see it. Well, when Han died, I'm the only one in the theater who, as soon as it ignited, I was like, no! And I know everyone in the theater thought I was a crazy person, but I was I, I didn't want my buddy to die. I didn't want my dad to die because that's what Han Solo is to all of us. I mean, he's that father figure uh, uh, to a lot of him. And I see in Han Solo in that he kind of has the same facial features and hair as my dad did uh, in that. So I'm like, no, Han, because he's 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 Papa. Wow. He's our fourth okay. Papa. What? <laughs> Do you have anything else um, for speculation? I, I, I'm i really, really curious on if Jen goes to the dark side. Like, I hope so. This is something that I really, really want to see because it's it's such a dark movie that I'm not necessarily even dark side. But but as you've said, you know, she, if she's got the kyber crystal and things like that around her neck and that she's she's experimenting and just in that kind of with that kind of accoutrement around her i'm really hoping that she goes to either legitimately working for the empire or falling to the dark side and betraying the rebels i'm hoping that has something to do with Jin. that the main character does something evil and just switches sides through all of this that she realizes that she may be on the losing side and that they're just too big and i want her to be the bad guy at the end of it because like empire strikes back like like that like they said in clerks it ends on such a down note I really, really want this movie to end on that kind of down note. And everybody knows I'm super, I'm super, you know, I'm super optimistic that I like really, you know, upbeat stuff. But man, I want her to be a bad guy. Okay, so I'm going to tell you one of my secret hopes for episode eight is yeah. that that's what happens with Ray. I think that would be a very cool storyline if yes. Ray goes to the dark side and Kylo Ren flips back to the light. Um, yes, that's what I'm kind I, of I think expecting if, out that's of That's what episode. I'm kind of hoping of. I'm expecting that out it of could 9, be cool. or at the very least, the very end of 8, but I don't think eight's going to be through, through and through. I don't think that's going to be the through line in that movie, but I'm kind of hoping that's what happens at the end. Yeah, I don't know. That one will be interesting to keep our eyes on, but as far as Jin in this movie, I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think she's a Force user. Um, in the book, in Catalyst, her mom talks a little bit about the Force and like... yeah kind of using it as like a philosophy to think about life but she's not a force user she's not a jedi she doesn't like 
um, subscribe to their religion or anything like that. She just kind of has some thoughts about the Force, and I'm sure that some of that rubs off on Jin. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, I don't see a whole lot happening with it. I think it'll be more about the Kyber Crystal and what that means for the Force, and they used to be the Jedis, they used them this way. Now that they're controlled by mm. the Sith, they're going to use them this new way. Um, I see it going much more about the crystals but I, I mean i think in the end it's it's going to be about the main characters and i don't think it'll be as much about the force and i don't think it'll be that way at all i don't think it'll be the force i just kind of hope she goes to the empire I, I always think of dark side as being that just because of the the nature of the rest of the series but i really do hope she betrays people like i don't know why See, but you, i really do it's kind of like the same reason i wanted harry potter to die it's like i don't like main characters generally like ray is the only main character i've ever really truly liked in the star wars movies so i really kind of want jen just to just to betray everybody i think you have a tendency to see things in more black and white than i do yes because i think the most interesting stories in this universe lay in the shades of gray in between and that's always been my favorite part of Star Wars. And you haven't actually read Lost Stars. Yes. And Lost Stars is my favorite Star Wars book because it's it's kind of young adult, but it's very much the upper end of the young adult spectrum, yeah. like almost a, an adult novel. Um, it's not like a little kiddie book at all. And it's kind of a little bit of Romeo and Juliet, like star-crossed lovers thing. But really what it is, is showing how two people from the same planet who are just like normal people, they don't have anything that crazy exceptional about them, can end up just organically becoming part of the rebellion or part of the empire. So one of them ends up on the empire side, one of them ends up on the rebellion side. And it's just kind of like, you know, they're just trying to make their lives better. And it organically happens. It's like if we lived in that universe and you were just a person and yeah. you weren't a Jedi. You might have been on an Empire-controlled world and the only place you could go for career advancement is to sign up with the Empire right. and learn some new skills and end up on like a starship with them. And it doesn't make you a bad guy just because you're part of the Emperor Empire. Like you say if she goes to the Empire that it's the dark side. And that's not it at all. That's not it you know, at all. Like, that was actually one of my favorite things with uh, Rebels that I was watching in season two. There's an episode where Zeb and Callus get trapped together, and Zeb sees him as a person, and Callus sees Zeb as an individual person as well, and they don't betray each other despite their fighting and trying to kill each other for you know two seasons ahead of this. That I thought that was one of the best episodes of that show that I've seen because of that kind exactly what you're saying you don't have to be a bad person to serve the empire because you join and that may be your only thing i mean well, it, or like finn i mean finn, finn yeah. isn't evil you know and he started out as part of the first order because that's what he knew that was his whole life and once he got a chance he got away from it but how many people don't get a chance to break right. out of the system like most people you know most people don't get a chance to break out of the existing system so i i think there's a lot of interesting stories they can tell in those shades of gray yeah, and I'm, I guess that would be the way that I want Jen to be. I don't want her to be full-on Leia Rebel. I want to see more, like you said, of those shades of gray where she does something and, like I said, sees that she may be on the losing side and changes. We'll see. We'll see next so. week. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Cool. Do you have anything else? Um, There was kind of. I'm glad that this movie is moving toward the exact moment of episode four despite the things that we talked about with concerns after starting catalyst because catalyst and i haven't finished it but when it starts out it is definitely between episodes two and three that they're talking that it is straight up clone wars and i hate that era like i really do just hate that era of star wars i've not seen a whole lot of good stories out of it and there are some there's some good stories there but i was really disappointed when i saw that they were still talking about dooku and the separatists being the bad guys here that you know they're working against them with the republic and i was glad to see with with Rogue One, that it is moving, that it's not going to be there, that it's not a Clone Wars era prequel or even the early end of the 19 years, that when I realized that they are actually going to be, you know, essentially minute to minute next to episode four with stealing these data tapes. Yeah, the Clone Wars era never really interested me that much. The best thing that came out of it were the Karen Travis novels, and those were in the old expanded universe, yeah. and they don't count anymore, which is really sad, because those were really good books. Besides Dark that, Disciple. the Clone Wars... Oh, sorry. Yeah. This may that, be a question that, that we okay. put in 
is that that's canon now, right? Dark Disciple with Asajj Ventress is straight up like new canon, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one is canon. I thought so. I just wanted to ask. Yeah. No, that was one of the first books that came out. So that one is canon. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, I'm pretty sure that it is. Because that's what I was thinking. Sure. I thought it was one of the first ones, and that's why I couldn't remember if it was old canon or new, just because of its release date. I think because it ties directly into the Clone Wars TV show, and the yeah. Clone Wars is completely canon, that that one is also. Okay. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, those are our speculations. We will report back next week. Next week is also going to be Rogue One, but we are going to be reacting and reviewing, I guess, mostly probably just geeking out about Rogue One yeah. after we've seen it. Yeah. Um, if you want a holiday present for us since it's the holiday season, go rate, review on iTunes. I've seen a couple since we started mentioning it the last few weeks, and I love everyone. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. It's fantastic. Besides that, so uh, you have the geeky offer of the week this week, right? Okay. The geeky offer of the week this week is my books. Um, you, I have a new audio book out this week. I've written a trilogy of science fiction novels called the Technomage Archive, and the third one was finally put on Audible this week. So you can go out and you can get all three of my my audiobooks on Audible. If you go to audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast it is a trilogy that is very similar to Star Wars uh, because, you know, I love it. And it is what I call a an epic fantasy novel set in a science fiction world. So if you want to look any more about it, look up BJ Keaton or Technomage Archive on Audible when you go through audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast and you can get one of them for free. That's perfect. Cool. And with that, it's time for our weekly geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. I know for you, you had a lot of Star Wars stuff this week, right? I had a lot of Star Wars. Which we kind of talked about already. So I started Catalyst. I'll just breeze through this part. I've started Catalyst, and I really like it. Um, I may not like it by the end of it, but I really do like the characters so far, and so so much of Star Wars to me can be characters in these side stories that I actually really like Galen right now. So I want to hear you know, the relationship between him and Krennic. Um, I've been watching Star Wars Rebels and kind of binging it. And my wife has been on her computer just kind of messing around while I've been watching it. And she did not like Rebels at the beginning. The reason I wanted to talk about this during Geekery is because I'm sure some of you listeners have acted, reacted the same way that Jennifer did and saw a couple of episodes of it and thought that it was kind of poopy and never really went back to it. And so I I watched all of season one and the first half of season two alone because of that. And she loves Star Wars. Like she is all in on these new Star Wars movies and properties. And as I've been watching this, she just keeps commenting on how good they are. Like this is so much better than I thought it was going to be that these characters. Yeah, it's a kid show, but these are real characters that you see them interacting as people. And like it took it took her over like this. So she was sad last night when I was finishing season two that she ended up having to go to bed to get up for work right before um, the final two episodes of that season. So she was or in the middle of the first episode of the penultimate episode. So she really, really liked Rebels again. And it got so much better. You guys, if y'all started Rebels and you have given it up because it was kind of eh, in the beginning, go back and rewatch it. Some of the filler episodes are not very good or not very, you know, as good as some of the others. But in season two, they really take off with character centric episodes that I know Void has been less interested in than the others. But there are some of those character centric episodes and side side character episodes that I have just adored every bit as much as I did the Kane and Ezra and Ahsoka episodes. Like, I love this show. Yeah, I will say that the Clone Wars had way more filler episodes than Rebels does. Yes. Rebels is much better about staying with these main characters, this main plot. I think it's at its best when they're talking about Jedi stuff, you know, with Ezra and Kanan um, and right. Ahsoka and Vader. And that's my favorite storyline in it. So every time they're talking about that, I love it. And then when they move over to the other characters, it's OK. Um, I, I'm not as invested in the other characters as you are, obviously, but it's good. I, I mean, I still watch it. I've been up to date with it so i'm totally caught up I, I like rebels a lot i started season three last night and it was like 11 30 whenever i fell asleep during the two-part season premiere so i've got to go back and re-watch the second half of it but season three starts out 
oh my goodness, I cannot wait. And with the Bindu, I'm not even sure what's going on there, but oh my goodness, I have to I have to know this because of the Jedi Bindu stuff when it started and his original draft. And it's like I super geeked out and then fell asleep. Yeah, and that gets into some of the like gray areas of the force, yeah. which I really like. Yeah. The in-between stuff. What else were you doing this week? Um, I started a book called The Dinosaur Lords that I don't know if I'm going to like it or not, but I love dinosaurs. And like they found a dinosaur tail in amber that has all sorts of, uh, in real life here, that has all sorts of feathers on it that I've been geeking out about this week. So I went and started this book called The Dinosaur Lords that is a fantasy novel where instead of having typical fantasy creatures and horses and things like that, it's dinosaurs. And it's just awesome. And it's by Victor Milan. And I... I'm, I'm loving it so far, so I'm so excited to be able to read things again, if you guys can't tell, that they found real dinosaur tail for the first time in Jurassic Park is, like, terrifyingly uh, close to being reality now, and awesome. I will I will go get eaten by dinosaurs any day of the week. I'll pay tens of thousands of dollars for that if I had it. And the dinosaur so wait, wait, wait. The dinosaur lords, are the dinosaurs the lords, or are there, like, people who are the lords and they the manage lords the dinosaurs? They're the lords of dinosaurs, yeah. They ride the dinosaurs, uh. yeah. I know, that's what Jennifer thought. She was like, are there, like, are there like sentient dinosaurs that are, like, subjugating people? And it's like, no, nah, they ride them like horses. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so. that's, like, with that title, that's the least interesting choice for the way you could have gone. Like, yeah. if it were dinosaurs and they were the main characters, I would have been interested, but now I'm less so. Yeah, I mean, I'll, if it turns out really well in the end, it may it it will be worth it. But the concept of you know just being able to ride dinosaurs around and like having oh there's a stegosaurus in my backyard, it was like I'll read that. Oh, I do have Wildstar. Wildstar is great, y'all. I have been playing Wildstar like almost nonstop. I haven't even logged into Overwatch as one of my evergreen games, and I think the Christmas event is on because I just keep wanting to play Wildstar all the time. I've been wanting to play WoW with Legion, but it's still like 50 bucks, and uh, I have like to pay a $15 subscription, so $65 to give WoW another shot. My wife would be very upset with me, uh, you know, because, you know, quit my job, and it's Christmas, and so I found, I went because of Chestnut telling me about WoW Wildstar so much. I went and played it, like I said, last week, and it's still keeping my attention. Like, it is so well put together that it's not typical action bar combat, and I'm I'm still having a good time. It reminds me of a mix between WoW, Firefly, and Guild Wars 2. So, you guys, y'all should really give Wildstar a shot, and it's the only free-to-play game I've played that feels like I'm not being penalized even a little bit for not paying them. That's sweet. I also got into MMOs this week. I told you last week that I kind of had the MMO itch. So um, uh-huh. I tried to get into Eve and I just I installed it and I activated my account back up again. I didn't pay for it. I just because okay. you can dive into your account for free now now that it's free to play. Mm. So I, I had my that. existing account that I haven't touched in like five years. And I went back into it and I got in and I looked at my ship and I was like, oh, yeah, there's my ship. There's my character. And then I looked at the interface and I just quit the game and uninstalled it. Like, <laughs> exactly like you said it was going to be. You would look at the interface and be like, nope, and then just give it up. Yep, that was all I needed. I just needed to be reminded of the actual like moment-to-moment gameplay is this interface. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good here. So I moved on, and I grabbed WoW because a ton of my friends are playing it, and everyone's been telling me how amazing it is with the new expansion. And it was kind of trials and tribulations. Um, people said that it, I should just get to the new content because it's better. So I made right. a demon hunter on a server where a bunch of people are playing and i took the demon hunter through the intro to like because they start out at the bottom level for the new expansion basically it's kind of like what they did with death knight back yeah. in the day yeah it's the exact same thing okay. so you take them through their intro that gets them up to level 100 and then you get into the actual legion content so i played the demon hunter up to about level 102 something like that 101 102 and i didn't like it at all it wasn't clicking with me um it was just i I don't know the the class just didn't work for me so to make that i had to have a level 100 character on the server i wanted to make the demon hunter on so what i had done is i made a level one paladin and um i used there's a free character boost that comes with the expansion so i'd use the character boost on them and i got the paladin up to level 100 so i was like well Everyone's telling me this content is really good. I'll try the Paladin because Paladin used to be my main alt. It wasn't my main character, but it was my main alt. So I went and I played with the Paladin in Legion and it just, it still wasn't clicking. 
And I think I came to the realization that neither of these are clicking because like I'm a druid at heart and that's what I had always yeah. played. And that was my main in vanilla all the way through cataclysm. And I mean, I, I played some expansions and not others in there, but every time I went back, I went back to that same character. So I went back to the character who is still sitting there at the end of cataclysm content and I picked that up. I um, redid the talents and stuff because everything's changed oh, yeah, so much in so five much. years. Yeah. And then I went through Mist of Pandaria and I went through Warlords of Draenor. So I've been through the two expansions that I missed in the last four days. Yeah. It didn't take me long at all. Like Mist of Pandaria was uh, most of an afternoon. Yeah was all it took me to get through that. I didn't even get out of the first zone. I just used the dungeon finder and they must have made the experience curve totally oh, different. Oh man. You know? Because you can catch up super fast. So that took me one play session to do that entire expansion from start to finish. And then You actually missed some of- good content that way. Like I, I actually really enjoyed the uh Pandaria continent and going through it with just uh all the quests. Like that was actually a much better expansion than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, I find quests to be very repetitive and they kind of wear me down. Mm. So I'm I stuck mostly to the dungeon finder and I was happier that way. I think dungeons are the most interesting part of WoW. So I did every dungeon. I mean in leveling okay. you know in that afternoon i did do every like pandaria dungeon five man and then um, i moved on to warlords of draenor which actually felt like it was able to tell a story yes much better than any other expansion before it it's like they finally are starting to figure out how to tell a story so it started out super strong and that first play session i did got me about a third of the way through the levels okay. that i needed to and then i came back on night two and like all of the story momentum was gone yeah because i was in the middle of the expansion like there weren't the cutscenes anymore there wasn't this driving force there wasn't a really cool story it was just kind of doing kill 10 whatever quests and go fetch this thing quest or go talk to this person and i was like well i'm getting close to halfway through maybe i'll push through and i'll just do the dungeons so i did dungeon finder for like all of my second play session and that was fun because I got to do all the dungeons like once, you know, I did every dungeon in Warlords of Draenor and then the third play session I came back and I was sitting at like level 97, almost 98. Okay. I was like, oh, I am bored, but I want to try Legion because everybody's telling me it's so much better than all the other expansions. Right. So I keep hearing the that. third, the third play session. I just ground like I was just grinding on dungeons and I was not having fun because I'd already done all these dungeons a ton. Like, yeah. you know, the 10th time seeing the same dungeon, yeah. it's kind of like, okay, it's like, I'm whatever. Done. Yeah, and all of the quests started to blend together, and, like, garrisons were kind of cool, but also I could tell they're already defunct because people are on the next expansion, mm-hmm. so I didn't get too invested. So I got to the point where I could, I got to level 99, and that let me start Legion last night. Okay. And last night I did the first, I did the intro and, like, the artifact weapon for Legion, and then I started on the first zone, and... The intro was strong again. Lots of story. The artifact weapon was really, really cool. Like, that was a fantastic storyline. Like, yeah, WoW can really tell a story again. And then I started to get into the actual zones, and I'm starting to feel the same old grind. Man. So, at this point, um, chances of me playing WoW for an entire week, I'm on day four right now. Uh, I would give it 50-50 on it lasting seven days. Chances of me still playing WoW at this time next week when we record, maybe like 5%. Like, I can tell I'm almost done with this game. You should definitely go through all of the dungeons and level up, since you can do it fairly quickly with, uh, even with new expansions, if you're powering dungeons, you could probably do it within the next week just to experience that content. Because I was, how did you feel about Warlords of Draenor's dungeons? They were fun. They were good, especially the first time through. I liked them. Okay. But, uh, you know, the fifth time through each one, I was like, okay, there. You know, I want something new. That's my issue with it as well. So I really want to know how, honestly, and this, is, this isn't this is even a, a rhetorical, I really want to know. Like, I really want to know how the dungeons are because I got super tired of doing Draenor's dungeons. And that was one of the reasons that I ended up not playing as much as I did toward the end is because I got through the Hellfire Peninsula content and I really liked it, but it became very repetitive after a while and I didn't care anything about the dungeons. Like I didn't have fun with them after the leveling part. And I just want to know how Legion's dungeons are from somebody who approaches them the same way that I do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was planning on doing that. The The place I'm caught at right now is that I'm high enough level technically to do dungeons, but I'm not high enough gear score. So I absolutely have to do more quests to be able to get 
gear that's item level high enough to do the dungeons. Right. So I'm caught in this middle ground where, like, I really don't want to do any more quests. Like, I am burned down on this game already four days in. Yeah. But I have to do quests to get gear so that I can do dungeons. And I hate that. I hate when I can't just play it the way that I want to. Like, if I had the ability right now, I would just do dungeons and probably be having fun for another night or two. But to get to that point, I would have to take... A gameplay session which is you know like a night of uh-huh. my free time and just keep doing quests and that's where i'm at so i don't know it's kind of frustrating i'll probably do it i'll probably try to get far enough to get dungeons but no promises that's something i'm really looking forward to in wildstar is i haven't had time like there is still a it's a small population compared to wow and final fantasy 14 where as a dps i can get because i'm just leveling up as dps haven't learned how to heal yet and it takes about an hour to queue up as a DPS, and I haven't been able to go through a dungeon yet because of it. And I really want to know what their dungeons are like in a group, that it could be super fun to either tank or uh, DPS. I'm not sure how healing would work. I'm really curious on what dungeons in Wildstar are going to be like, because the game is tweaked just enough from WoW that it could be so awesome, or it could be really wacky with the action in it. So I, I want to do that soon. Yeah, and I haven't actually found any other dungeons that are as good as Final Fantasy XIV. I still so think good. those are some of the best dungeon designs in MMOs out there. Um, not in terms of, like, Final Fantasy XV, that's, like, single-player dungeons, like, handcrafted amazing. I'm talking about MMO dungeons. I think Final Fantasy XIV is the best, especially because their dungeon finder is set up so that it will auto-level you to yeah. whatever the content is, and it'll pair you with anybody. So you can be endgame, and you could be put in a dungeon with random people from the very first dungeon of the game. So the thing is, in WoW, like, you out-level the content, and then you never see mm-hmm. all of these old dungeons. Like, I don't know why they don't blatantly rip off Final Fantasy fourteen because they should. Because they have 10 years worth of World of Warcraft content, five-man dungeons. And they do these weird time-walking weekends yeah. where it's just like... I don't want to wait on a weekend to go through this. I would just like to be able to do it during my day and have fun and go through the Architraz instead of having to wait on a Burning Crusade weekend. Like, why don't they do the exact same thing? You make yeah. it so that every dungeon, as soon as you get high enough level to have found that dungeon, every dungeon under it is still in the pool for the one you could get dumped into. But you get auto leveled to the content, so it's not too boring. And you get experience equivalent to whatever your actual level is. Like, so the experience scales to you, and then your level scales to the dungeon, and it just works. Yeah. Like, it's so good in FF14. I don't know why WoW hasn't stolen it, because they have so much more content. It would be great in WoW, but. And you know, they have the technology for it. That's what's frustrating for me. If it would take a whole new code base to do, you know, that would be a lot of development time. But with the time walking dungeons and things like that, they already have the base code for it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. So with doing WoW, um, a lot of that time is not time I needed to listen to WoW. So I was listening to a lot of audiobooks. Um, oh. I tried my backlog. I had a bunch of books I had picked up for super cheap, like 99 cent books on, you know, deal days mm-hmm. that they always push on you. So I tried a ton of those and just kind of like listened to an hour of each one. And if I liked it, um, I put it to the side. And if I didn't like it, I deleted it. So I deleted a ton of books that were kind of in my queue. And that felt nice to just check them off the list. Yeah, I bet. Things that I ended up not liking, especially when I didn't pay like anything for them, you know, like a book here and there. Um, but then I did listen to Alcatraz versus the Evil Librarians because we were talking about Sanderson the other uh-huh. week. And it's his only series that I hadn't given a shot. I It's okay. Like it's a young adult. But it's the lower end of young adult. Like Harry Potter and, 1 young adult? Um, Yeah, I guess. Maybe a little like younger than okay. that. Um, but it's definitely on the low end of young adult. Whereas I don't mind young adult if it's towards the higher end. I don't like the lower end of that spectrum as much. Um, It's, it's too obvious and too spelled out yeah. and too explicit in its storytelling. Not in a you know sexual way uh-huh, you know yeah. like the main character is going to explain everything to you even though you figured it out chapters ago type of way yeah. so yeah i mean the world is cool because sanderson always makes interesting systems and magic systems and worlds and stuff but beyond that i don't think i'm going to continue but this is one where you like a young adult a lot more than i do right and i would really like to know what you think of it yeah this is the same way for me it's the only series that i haven't even touched on sanderson and it was it's more out of apathy more than just not wanting to that i just haven't gotten around to listening to it or reading it yet even though i know i'm pretty sure i could finish the first one by reading it in an afternoon yeah the first audiobook is like six hours okay which is like nothing for an audiobook that's like 
uh, two hours more than a novella, uh-huh. basically. So it's still technically a novel. But most audiobooks, the minimum time is like 10 hours. That's pretty typical mm-hmm. for like a normal novel. And then you go up from there. You know, like your big epics are like 40-hour books. But I can't listen those to those. Far between. That's one of the reasons I haven't listened to Name of the Wind is just because it's so long. I can feel like I break it up more when I'm reading them. But if I listen to one and I see it's 40 hours, like man, that's a work week. I got to work to get this job done or got to work to get this book done. Well, yeah, but I mean, I listen to things when I'm doing other stuff. Like, wow. Yeah. Like, wow doesn't take up that much of my brain power. It's very easy. And I can't easy, do it. And I hyper-focus on one thing, like I was telling you earlier this week, and I just cannot do more than one thing at once. I zone out of one or the other, and I either die in my game or I don't understand any of the words that are being being spoken at me. So it's one or the other. I, I either work in silence. Most of the time, I can't even have instrumental music on because it distracts me and i would have burned out on night one of trying to play world of warcraft without having podcasts and audiobooks Uh, in my ear because i would have been so bored i i can totally see that yeah so uh, okay beyond that i did um the newest hearthstone expansion the mean streets of gadgetson that's pretty fun yeah i mean i don't have a whole lot to say about it except i picked up the cards for it and i like playing with new cards in hearthstone right so that was cool it i mean the single player adventures always get me super excited. The other expansions are just kind of like, oh, here's some new tools to play around with. That's kind of how I feel about it. I mean, I'm playing it. It's fun. It's good. If you like Hearthstone, And this is just a out. full-on expansion. This isn't a single player adventure, right? No, exactly. If it were a single player expansion or a single player adventure, I would have more to say about it and I would be more excited. But I mean, it's it's still good. Like if you like Hearthstone, go check out the new cards. They're fun to play around with. Um and then two things came out this week for mcu trailers guardians of the galaxy volume 2 trailer and the spider-man trailer so good and i am super excited for both of them now i didn't know how i would feel about either one and they're both really good just based on the trailer based on spider-man homecoming i have never been more excited about a movie uh because or casting honestly that tom holland is that his name I think that, so. That he is the perfect Peter Parker. Like, he is super snarky. He's fun. And I knew he was going to be great from Civil War. But this trailer, he is Spider-Man. He is Peter Parker. And Michael Keaton as the Vulture, oh my goodness. Birdman gets to play Birdman, Void. Birdman plays Birdman. I think they finally nailed the casting for Spider-Man. Yeah. And they never really have before. So I'm more excited for the Spider-Man than any other Spider-Man, but I don't love Spider-Man the same way you do. And he was my go-to. He was the one I grew up with most of all. Like he has a he has a nice little corner of my heart tucked away where I just have spider webs in my heart. And it's, you know, I probably should go to the doctor about that, but I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean this one this trailer convinced me that I will see it opening weekend probably yeah, absolutely. whereas before before seeing the trailer I was like I will see it eventually maybe when it comes out at home but now I really want to see it I mean it's obvious that it's part of the MCU because Iron Man is in it which is cool but yeah yeah the casting really did it for me and then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 it just looks fun yeah. I mean I laughed at the trailer a bunch of times if they hit that tone in the movie I'm going to enjoy it yep and it, it was exactly what I wanted out of another Guardians of the Galaxy movie. It's not something I'm expecting stimulating cerebral entertainment. I want to hear Drax make funny wordplay. That's that's yeah. really what I want out of it. I want to see some pretty people hitting things in outer space and having a big muscular guy like make puns. And I love it. I just want it to make me laugh and have a good soundtrack, and it looks like it's going to do that. Uh I mean, the first one did, and this one looks like it's going to also. Absolutely. So, Guardians looks sweet. The other thing I wanted to mention, and I talked to you about this already, (laughs) there there was the YouTube Rewind that came out this week for 2016, and I remember a couple years ago looking at these and being like, this is amazing. Like, I recognize everybody. I get every reference. Like, I can't believe that they put this video together. It's just, like, mind-blowing. And I watched the one for 2016, and I didn't get, like, any references or any of the people. I actually went back and I counted, and I recognized four people, and they were all, like, super celebrities that aren't just known for YouTube. I knew that oh, from wow. other things. And I recognized five of the references to just like activities or things or videos, you know. So total four people, five references in a seven minute video. That is crazy. I'm just I'm out of touch. I mean, am I officially out of touch or am I just out of touch with YouTube culture? I don't know. 
maybe you're just out of touch with YouTube culture, and hopefully that's going to be the case because you know if this happens two or three years in a row, you're just old. Like you're out of touch and old at that point. Because I haven't watched that's, that's okay. it, so we'll see. Yeah, I, I I think I'm okay with it because I've never really been into YouTube culture. I'm into the culture of like the the niche things yeah. that I like, you know, like my geekery. I mean, obviously, Star Wars. Like, I know everything Star Wars. I'm all up to date with that. Video games. I sample, like, all of the major games that come out because I love games and I love getting into them. I mean, there are things that, like, I know all about. Apparently, YouTube is no longer one of those things, yeah. and I just thought it was funny. And I don't... I know zero about YouTube culture anyway, that that is not something that I partake in, so it, I, I may have, honestly, fewer references than you do. I want you to watch it and tell me okay. how many you actually have. I would love that. I know it's seven minutes of time for not a whole lot if you don't recognize it yeah. like me, but I, I'll it was that. just an interesting exercise. I'm making sure I click it in our notes right now so I have it up in a, in a window so I don't forget. Awesome. Okay, report back or tell me on Twitter Will or something. Um, with that, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit, reddit.com com slash r slash geek to geek cast actually we had a really cool one going that was about the uh, arkham horror lcg oh yeah day. yeah that was fun that was fun for me to talk about but yeah um that's all the places you can reach us yeah and you know if you want to get email updates about any of our shows we will send you an email every time anything on the network is published uh where we really do want to be able to talk to you guys uh if you can go to geek to geekcast.net let us know what shows you want to get updates about that way you don't have to check your podcatcher you don't have to load anything else it'll get delivered straight to your inbox with a file you can either download or stream right there on your phone and you can do it on all the podcatchers as well but uh we 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 really want you to sign up for the emails and, you know, get everything in the network instead of having to go and find, you know, different shows on different different platforms and subscribe to all of them. Yeah, I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with the two E's I stole from his Green Mushroom. And I blog and podcast at geekfitness.net, which is also around as at geekfitnesscast. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. <laughs>